Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page at NBC Sports, with you as always, and it's good to be back. We've been on a bit of a hiatus because of the holidays and a couple technical issues, but we're we're back now. We're going to be back regularly through the end of the season, and starting today with a great topic, mid-season awards. Dan Feldman from NBC Sports is joining us to talk about, well, who we have as MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, who's going to make the All-NBA teams, all that stuff for us right now. Break it all down. One of my favorite topics of the year, and we've got some fun ones coming up in the future weeks, by the way. Keep tuning in. Rob Doster will be joining us to talk about uh, take an early look at the draft as we head into the new year and, and the talent at the top of that board and down the board and, and where the strengths are in the draft, plus some other interesting stuff coming up and all-star breakdowns and all sorts of stuff. That said, why are we putting this off any longer? Welcome in the the... The fireball of NBC Sports NBA page, fireball three, I think it would be technically. Dan Feldman, how you doing, Dan? Good. How are you? I'm good. I don't want to relegate you to the big three already, and you've got a lot of career left. Um, <laughs> you, you can almost make your way back to the big time from there. Um, we're bringing you in to talk award season. Let's start it right at the top, man. MVP. Did you struggle with this, or was it just me? Uh. Maybe it was just you. I'm not saying this was the easiest call ever. It's a fairly deep race. Uh, but for me, it was pretty clearly Giannis Antetokounmpo having a great year, uh, doing so much with his all-around game. He's even better than last year in MVP. James Harden is putting up some eye-dropping numbers or eye-popping numbers. Uh, but when you look more closely, I think Giannis has a clear enough advantage. Yeah, I, I have Giannis as well as number one. But, I mean, I, I had Harden up until... I don't know, a couple of days ago, um, and I, when I was really digging into this and watching, and then watching last night and watching, by the way, John Morant's just fun. <laughs> John Morant just, like, yelling at Harden and just isolating him and dropping him. But I think the defense, this is what, uh, you and I talked about this last year, that's really what separated it at the end of the day, right? It's, it's as good as Harden is offensively, and he's the best offensive player in the league the gap between where he is and Giannis is, and frankly, LeBron is the offensively isn't that great. And then defensively, Giannis is a, in the conversation for defensive player of the year. He's elite on that end as well. And that's where the separation comes in. Um, and I think that applies to LeBron this year as well. Cause he's been so good defensively. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, to me with, with Giannis and Harden, they were also my, my top two, uh, you know, Giannis is averaging 30 points a game. Uh, James Harden is, is averaging 38 almost points a game. So there's a huge gap there, and yeah. that matters. Uh, but 
that's because Giannis doesn't play as much. Uh, per 100 team possessions, Giannis is at 45 points a game. James Harden's at 47. So if scoring is going to be the big advantage for Harden, when you put it on a possession level, it's a little smaller. Now, I do want to give Harden credit for playing more. He deserves credit. That should boost his MVP candidacy. But it's not that Giannis isn't playing because he's uh, not available for his team. It's because he's helping the Bucks put away teams so early he doesn't have to play as much. And so to me, the the minutes get a little more complicated because of that. I'm not docking Giannis and sitting on the bench because he's already sewn up a victory. Yeah, exactly. And, and to Harden's credit, he's played he's he's played through a lot. He in, in the last few years too. He is he's not a a guy who's taking a lot of rest. Part of that is that they can't afford for him to take a lot of rest. Um, and I give him some credit too. I don't think that this year's Rockets team is as good as last year's. I think they were at least as good with with Chris Paul offensively, and uh, maybe and certainly a little better defensively last year, a little deeper. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that team comes together in the postseason, where everybody's going to dare, just dare James Harden to shoot, right? Like not James Harden. I mean, dare Russell Westbrook to shoot, and it gets interesting after that, where where. You know, can Eric Gordon start making plays? Where does P.J. Tucker... You know, actually, their starting five is good. It's it's everything after their starting five that I wonder about with Houston. Like, their starting five is good, assuming... Well, I'm counting Eric Gordon in there um, as one of their top five. And then, after that, I just... I don't know that they have the depth to compete with even even maybe... Um, well, anybody else in the West. Any, certainly not the Lakers or Clippers, and I'm not sure they beat Denver either. So what are we, three minutes into an MVP discussion, and we're to, can we trust the Rockets' playoffs? And I think it's <laughs> definitely a valid discussion. And I, I just wonder if this thought process of how we view the league now has taken something out of these regular yeah. season awards like MVP. James Harden is a great regular season player, and he's a good postseason player, probably not quite as good, though. That's still a question about him is, you know, can he preserve himself for the playoffs, be ready for that level? Uh, do the Rockets have the right surrounding talent around him? We know he's great in the regular season. Like, do we care so much right now whether he challenges Giannis for MVP or not? I know they care in Houston, but outside of that, like, is there is there the thrill to this race that there have been in some of the previous MVP races? As as I think, as the NBA and everybody watching it has become more postseason centric. Yeah, I think that that's and it's actually that leads to the player movement things. It leads to the concern the league has about. Uh, about you know ratings and and keeping money going during the regular season, so I, I think that's a valid concern. But it's just kind of how things have evolved. Do you have LeBron third and Doncic fourth? I mean, to me, those were the clear top four. Uh, yes, I do, and I have Anthony Davis fifth. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I think it's interesting this year that to me, all five of them are MVP candidates. I've often made the distinction of there's somebody who's an MVP candidate, and there's somebody who's an MVP ballot candidate. The ballot goes five deep and. Some players are in contention to be on the ballot, but nobody's taking them serious as a real chance to win the MVP at the end of the year. I think there are five guys this year with a real chance to win at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm not sure that I have Davis quite there, but he's close. Um, and just off the board, like guys in consideration, um, Jimmy Butler is there for me. Joel Embiid is, but he's missed some time. I would have had Carl Anthony Towns, but I think he's he's reaching the he's just missed too much time point in the show uh, game where we might even get to that with with all NBA a little bit when we discuss that it's 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 a little difficult with guys missing time and then you kind of trying to project how much time they'll miss at the end of the season and maybe Towns gets back into this conversation because he was so so good offensively um, before he went down. 
he he was. I mean, he's having a career year. The what what he's doing, shooting three pointers, uh, his versatility of his three point shot, just incredible for his size. So important to the Timberwolves' offense. Uh, he got off to a good start defensively, but he slipped back even yep. before uh, he got hurt. He slipped back into his old bad defensive habits a little too often. And yeah, the injury is a big thing. If, if we're just doing midseason award, what he's accomplished now, you know, I do hold missing games against a player. It's n- not fair, quote unquote, uh, but it's about what you've done. And he, to me, hasn't done enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on to, I think, a less controversial topic. Uh, rookie of the year is John Morant and then John Morant, right? Yes. I, I don't think, you know, Kendrick Nunn is, is he's, that he's clear behind. second. He's a clear second. Yeah. But, but I don't know how he passes John Morant because I think Kendrick Nunn has been playing over his head. We've seen John Morant just get a better and better feel as he's gone with the Grizzlies. It seems like John, it's John Morant's uh, to pull away, except for, do you think there's any chance that Zion Williamson, let's say he comes back real soon, like within a week, do you think there's a chance he could catch up? I don't know that he can catch all the way up to John Morant right now. Jaws really started to pull away. He's... Yeah, I watched him in person a week ago, and the co- the coach was just talking about Taylor Jenkins was just talking about how much confidence he's gained. Like not he with John Morant. John Morant is just believing in himself, believing in his shot. Now, I mean, again, like we said the other night, just going at James Harden. Go, when I saw him, we he's like, all right, Kawhi Leonard's on me. I'm going to go at that, and it didn't work a couple times because he's still Kawhi Leonard. But it did work a couple times, and, and that just the confidence to try that kind of thing. I think he's only going to get better. I'm not sure that he can be caught. Kendrick Nunn's a clear second. I, Zion can get into the conversation because it opens up at third. I mean, I almost I think I've got Brandon Clark third, uh, giving these two Grizzlies in the top three. Clark's been really nice for them. Yeah, I also have Brandon Clark uh, high in that consideration. I, I'm not sure if he'll get the credit because when you look at it, he, he shines more with some advanced stats. Uh, when you watch him, than just some traditional box score stats. He doesn't yeah. play quite as many minutes, but he's so efficient. He picks his spot so well. He does what he can do. He's, I think he's very good. I'm a big fan. I, I think it'd be a shame if the Grizzlies don't have two all-rookie first-teamers. Yeah, exactly. I, I, with, when he gets to the all-rookie first-team, and we're not going to really cover that today, yeah, I, I think those two are pretty clearly on the first-team. By the way, start trying to put together the second-team there, though, with this class, and uh, it gets more challenging. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough. It's a, the, the second team all rookie is going to be a little rough this year. Um, let's move on to. Well, well, go ahead. Be, it'll be rough for people who take it seriously. Uh, it'll be easy for people who are like, yeah, R.J. Barrett. He's putting up numbers. You know. Uh, yeah. You know, don't look at efficiency. Don't look at how many minutes they're playing. Don't look at a role and just say, yeah, he's putting up numbers. He's in a big market. Yeah, of course. You know, t- to me, that's more debate. Well, I haven't counted out the 10. I would guess that R.J. Barrett. Oh, R.J., yeah. It. He's, he's got to make it. But there are always right. players like that where people rush to give them credit. Uh, when sometimes some traditional box score numbers are masking somebody who's, a, as a rookie, a really lousy player. Yeah, and, and I, look, just because this class is down and because he's putting up numbers, I, I, Barrett makes the makes – the, um, all rookie, one of the all rookie teams. I haven't planned it out that far, but uh, that said, it's it's it gets a little struggling for what. Let's let's move on to a, a, a just a brutal one this year, and I really don't know which direction I'm ultimately going to go. Coach of the year. It just I've got about eight guys I could throw in there right now. Um, I've got Eric Spolstra on top because I love what he's done with the Heat um, and developing young guys, bringing on Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero. Um, 
just uh, Duncan Robinson on down the line, getting Jim, Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler was a cultural fit, but everything's kind of blended for them. Bam Abadayo's taken a step forward. Just I love the coaching job he's done this year. So I had Spolstra second. I think there is a kind of a drop-off after the top two, and, and it's very close. Number one, I had Nick Nurse with yeah. the Raptors. I think he's done just a fantastic job of keeping the team going after losing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Uh, they've had plenty of injuries. They still keep rolling. He's doing so many creative things, especially defensively with different zones, uh, getting some young players into the lineup. Everybody who comes in looks up to speed, looks ready to play. Uh, I think Nick Nurse, for all the signs we can see of what is coaching, has just done a fantastic job. I'm with actually Nurse is my is, was is second on my list, and I could flip flop them. I like I said, I think this is a really close race. I think there's I don't think there's that much of a drop off though. I think that there's some really interesting. Other candidates, like Brad Stevens is in there. Um, uh-huh. Frank Vogel probably gets overlooked because it's LeBron and Davis, but my gosh, Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo and some of the pieces on that team are playing really well. And, you know, the Alex Caruso-Kyle Kuzma thing is working, so I think he's got to be at least mentioned. Nate McMillan, Rick Carlisle, I just, there's a... Um, it, and even Doc Rivers, as much as we're like, that team's up and down, that team's still racking up wins, so... It seems like there's a lot of guys who could be in the mix. Yeah, I like the job Nate McMillan has done a lot. Uh, To rail once again about these regular season awards in a postseason-minded league, is Frank Vogel doing a good job? I think so. I mean, he's doing a good job. Is he doing a coach of the year job? I won't know until after the playoffs because that's what the Lakers are building toward. Like That's what this regular season is about, is preparing for the playoffs, and I'm not sure how well they're doing that versus – you know, maybe using too much energy, looking too good right now. Like, the proof will be in the pudding later on that. Yeah, I, I, I keep saying this on the radio. I think what you're going to end up seeing with the Lakers, especially if they can hold on to a chunk of this, what, five-game cushion they've got. I'm not, I haven't looked today what it is, but, that you know, they've got this healthy cushion on top of the West. I think you're going to see what they did in 2016 with LeBron, which was a suddenly he gets a lot of march off. Like just huge chunks of time the month before the playoffs so that he's kind of rested heading in. But we'll see. I know they've been pushing back against that in kind of a Kawhi way, but I can't believe you want to play him 82. So we'll see what happens, or or, or close to 82. Um, that's a wide-open category for me, though. It's, I think it's Spolstra and Nurse 1-2, but we'll see how the second half... That's one where the second half of the seasons really could really could change the dynamic and the vote there. So, uh, Another coach with a big second-half opportunity, Greg Popovich. If he gets this team in the playoffs, yep. he's going to deserve consideration. So you're saying Greg Popovich is a good coach. Okay. We'll, we'll keep, <laughs> Hot we'll, take, I know. Exactly. We'll keep that one. We'll keep that in mind. Uh, let's move on to another one of the awards. It's I, I, To me, this one's a little more clear. Uh, most improved player. I've got Devontae Graham. I mean, there's some other guys – who I think could be in the mix. Bama Madayo, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram. I think, actually, weirdly, Luka Doncic absolutely has to kind of weirdly be in the conversation because he has taken such a step forward this year. But Devontae Graham is the guy for me because, I mean, did anyone see this coming? So Devontae Graham is definitely the most surprising player. Is he the most improved? I have it as two-person race between Devontae Graham and Luka Doncic, and I'm glad you mentioned Doncic, because I don't think he's going to get the proper consideration. People are going to say, well, he won Rookie of the Year. He was a high draft pick. He's young. Of course he's going to improve. He's supposed to improve. I don't know why we do this with this one award where we say, well, you're supposed to do it, therefore you can't win it. It'd be like not giving Rookie of the Year to a number one pick, because that's what he's supposed to do. I don't like that standard. 
Luka Doncic improved a ton. He deserves credit for it. I don't care whether you thought he was supposed to or not. You'd blame him if he didn't. There are plenty of high draft picks. There are plenty of second-year players who don't improve. This is an old-time improvement. People, I think, are going to also just forget how, you know, merely solid he was as a rookie because he's made it look so easy. He's gone from rookie of the year to superstar, which is a natural course. It's just rare to do it in your second year to do it this quickly. Uh, I am neck and neck between... Doncic and Devontae Graham, and they tend to lead toward Doncic. Yeah, I think that there's a real case to be made. Like I said, I think that that leap he's made is way... I mean, how many, like you said, how many people fall short of that? How many rookies of the year are, are with all due respect to the good season he's having, are Malcolm Brogdon, right? Or, or you know, having another, you know, a nice season, but they never quite reach the levels where Doncic is, where he's legitimately, we were talking to him before, in the MVP race, and he's a clear... All, not only all-star starter where the fans love him, he's a clear all-NBA, first-team all-NBA, right? Like, it's not... Uh, yes. It's not, even, it's not even a discussion. That's a huge leap. And to make it, like you said, at, at age 20, I, I've been saying this for a while, too. I think he's the best pick-and-roll ball handler in the league. I don't know who's better than him right now. At, again, yeah. at age 20. So, so uh, you made the Malcolm Brogdon comparison. I'll make a different one. Damian Lillard, right? Yeah. Damian Lillard won Rookie of the Year. He was a high draft pick. He got better every year uh, early in his career, just steady growth, like very impressive. It wasn't until his sixth year that he was getting like this type of MVP talk, uh, MVP ballot talk that Doncic is getting in the second. That is a just a monumental one-year leap for Luka. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that ballot shapes out. I, I hope the voters give Luka a chance at the end of the year. We'll see. I, like I said, I think Bam's going to be in the mix. Siakam is another guy who made a leap this year where he went from, what, number three option on a cha- I mean, on a championship team, but like a, a not necessarily the key guy to being the man in Toronto this year and, uh, and been fantastic. And then Brandon Ingram, to me, guy, I didn't know that this jumper was going to come along. I didn't know how he was going to handle what he, you know, the opportunity he was given in New Orleans, especially with um, with Zion out. Uh, he's been fantastic. I'm curious. I'm still. I'm still just really curious if their games mesh, though. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's a, a little bit off topic, but I'm just not sure if Zion and Brandon Ingram mesh. So I had a lot of concern about that. And I still have some, but I have less in the way. Brandon Ingram has grown and the way he's improved and all the ways that he deserves to be, I would say a candidate for third place on a ballot for these for this award. Yeah, yeah. It's all in ways that make him mesh better with Zion. So I, I think the growth in his game has lined up perfectly, uh, especially better outside shooting. Uh, that's a big one. But also just uh, quicker decision-making, not holding the ball as long, being able to flow a little bit more in a team offense rather than breaking it off himself. I think his growth lines up perfectly for meshing with Zion. Yeah. Um, nobody wants Zion back, though, as much as his teammate, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo wants so desperately to throw lobs to him, and just not there. So Let's move on to a couple of awards that I think are – Harder to make a call on this point in the year. We've got them, but I'm just I, I don't feel as comfortable with them this early. Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I've got Rudy Gobert on top, but I I guess um and look he's had a really good numbers year, but I I'm not comfortable with that completely. I think Joel Embiid, Giannis, maybe Marcus Smart, some other people could be in that conversation, and I'm uh, that one's I'm gonna change a lot for me over the second half of the season. Yeah, I also have Rudy Gobert. 
on top right now. Uh, but there are other candidates. I mean, Kawhi Leonard yeah. is there. He's picked it up defensively after, I, I think, a real drop-off in defensive intensity last year. Not that he was a bad defender by any means, but not quite this defensive player of the year level. I think he's up in the discussion now. Uh, Jimmy Butler has yeah. been awesome. Uh, yeah, Joel Embiid, if he plays the minutes, if he plays the games, uh, he could be in there. I, I do think it's pretty open, but I also do have Rudy Gobert on the top. Yeah, I think that that one's one that could change a lot. In the By the way, I don't know if you saw the highlight or if everybody listening saw the highlight of Kawhi with the steal in the pass to Pat Beverly. It was a subtle little play in uh, uh, Tuesday night's game. The ball gets loose. His hands are just so freakishly large, and he just... The ball's kind of loose, and he just palms it out of the air and then footballs a pass to midcourt to Patrick Beverly, who's kind of you know starting out in transition. And it was this effortless little thing where you're like, how do you do that? How do you – it was just he, – he can he, – there's moments he kind of stuns you by just being a freak of nature. So um, Yeah, I mean, that, that was incredible. Well, one more defensive player I, I want to name is Brooke Lopez. I think is having yes. a fantastic defensive season, and that's what makes it tricky with Giannis. The Bucks' defense is awesome. Because those two work in collaboration. Uh, Brooke Lopez is so good at defending the paint, walling that off, that gives Giannis latitude uh, to use his length to be more attacking. Uh, you couldn't have one without the other, and I'm not sure exactly how to separate that. Speaking of the Bucks, and just as a side tangent really quick, like I wonder if other teams are going to start trying to use their defensive strategy, which for people who don't know, like Brooke Lopez sags off of pick and rolls and drops back. They protect the paint basically at all costs, right? Like they just they give up very few paint shots. They do not give you easy shots there, but they give up more threes than anyone else in the league. And they just kind of I don't want to say live with that because they've got the length and athleticism to contest a little, especially if they've got a, a shooter they're targeting. But there, you have to make trade offs, and their trade off is we're not going to give you anything inside. We'll let you have more threes, and it's working for them. I wonder if other teams will start to adopt that, or if that's just a personnel specific thing. Yeah, I think a lot of it is personnel. You know, you, yeah. Brooke Lopez is just underrated so much overall, but just especially in his ability uh, to be a tall presence, a big presence in the paint. And then Giannis, everybody knows what he can do. Some of that's personal. I also think it's a defense of the times. Players are becoming better and better at shooting three-pointers. Right now, I do think it makes sense you take away the paint. We could reach a point where you just can't give up the number of three pointers the Bucks do. That teams will be too good at making them. And teams are good at making three pointers right now, but as they get even better, I'm not sure this is a defensive strategy that will make sense in five years. Yeah, I think there's. I think that there's some real truth to that. Um, sixth man of the year. Um, I have Montrezl Harrell on top, maybe because I see him a lot. Um, Derek Rose has to be in the conversation, but this is another one where I'm. The second half of the year is going to say a lot for how I ultimately end up voting. Uh, yeah, I also have Montrez Harrell on top. I, I strongly considered him number one last year. I thought yeah. he was right there with Lou Williams. Uh, Montrez has made some nice growth in his game on both ends of the floor. More skilled offensively. Uh, Better defensively. Capable, sharper defensively, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another name to mention I have right up there is George Hill. I think he's yeah. having a fantastic season off the, the bench for the Bucs. It's, it's deep. Like, and there are probably 20 players who'd be in consideration for my top three. Uh, but I think Montrez Harrell has a, a nice, clear lead right now. Where do you stand on Spencer Dimwitty, who's, you know, I don't know if they're going to go back to the bench or keeps, you know, how they're going to work this with, with you know, ultimately with, with uh, Kyrie Irving coming back. But he's done most of his damage as a starter. I, I, 
if it comes to that, I mean, he, he might have the raw numbers and maybe he doesn't start half the games, but I don't know if I'm going to consider him a sixth man. Uh, so to me, I let the NBA come up with the criteria. And the criteria is if you come off the bench in more games than you start, you're eligible. And I look at your full season. Uh, I, I think it was Jody Genesee out in Utah who kind of convinced me because uh, he was talking up somebody for six man ones and really just saying how great this guy was in this game. I looked up the game and the guy started. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem right, but he convinced me that part of being a good sixth man is starting in a pinch. That's part of your role. You don't always come off the bench. And so if Dinwiddie is, ends up uh, coming off the bench in more games than he starts, I'm going to look at his full season. If his full season is the best, uh, I'd vote for him. And I think there's a – I'm glad you brought him up. I think there's a very good chance it could be him. Now, look, at he's already started 28 games. I think there's a pretty good chance he's not going to be eligible. Yeah, I would agree. I think they are looking really hard at like how those two play together because they, Dinwiddie really moves the ball and, and keeps their offense flowing in ways that uh, Kyrie does not, but obviously Kyrie Irving brings the ability to just blow by guys and destroy them and, and create shots that, you know, if you, look, he's, just, he's better at that than all but a handful of guys in, in the game. And if they can find a way to really mesh that and not get killed defensively, it's it's a nice pairing, so it'll be something to watch with the Nets going forward because they're gonna. That's such an interesting cultural experience because or experiment because you know next year they bring in um, another guy who likes to dominate the ball a little and how do they keep that whole thing flowing? Um, you know Durant certainly did that fairly well in Golden State, but it's it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how that all comes together. Yeah, I, it's hard to see all these pieces working together. I mean, it's already a little bit of stress on it, but if everybody's healthy, Durant, Kyrie, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, these are a lot of lead guard typish players. Okay. Let's get on to the the all-NBA teams. Uh, I think when let's get through the first team, then we'll probably kind of go by position. First team is guards Luka Doncic, James Harden, Forwards, Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. And then center's a little bit of a debate, I guess, because uh, you have to go on. I have Joel Embiid right now, um, but I could I could be convinced of a couple other ways. Uh, I have Rudy Gobert. Uh, okay. Not that Embiid is, is too far off, but uh, I really think there are three that have separated themselves. And that's, uh, if we want to get into position a little bit now. Yeah, go uh, for it. It's Gobert, uh, Nikola Jokic, yes. and Joel Embiid. And what yeah. I ended up doing, my order was Gobert, Jokic, Embiid. Uh, put those in any order, and I wouldn't quibble. Too. Yeah, I have I have Jokic second and Gobert third, but I, I agree. It could go a lot of ways. And Towns becomes the guy, and we mentioned this before, like how many games does he play in the second half? If he plays a lot in the second half and keeps playing at the level he was, then this becomes a much tougher conversation because there really are four elite centers in the league. I, technically, you could argue five if you wanted to put Anthony Davis in there, but he has not played the minutes at the five this season. He's basically played the four. Um, it'll be that's going to be another interesting playoff experiment, right, Dan? Like, how long do the Lakers go, and in, in what matchups do they start playing him at the five? You know, in the postseason. But for now, and for the regular season awards, um, yeah, he's basically a four. So. Um, I think those four kind of shake out pretty clearly. Let's go through it at forward then. Well, well, let's go. Well, one more, one more player who I think is having a year worthy of discussion. Now, maybe he's playing a little over his head, but that's Bam Adebayo. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm putting him on the level just as a player of how good he is right now with those other guys. But the way he's performing this year, and to me, that's what all NBA is. It's how good were you that season, not how good are you, how good are you capable of being. And to me, Bam Adebayo is at least in the fringe of that discussion. 
Yes. I, he's actually, it's funny because I had him on my, I, the way I have this set up, I have a little spreadsheet and there's a little watch list uh, basically next to some of these positions. And he's in that mix uh, for me I, as somebody to watch. Uh, let's go through by guard. Um, I think the one clear guy I've got, Damian Lillard's second team, right? Like that's kind of a second team all NBA guard. And then it gets harder. Um, I have Kemba. Uh, I have Kemba on the second team, and then Paul George and Donovan Mitchell on the third team. But I, the third team, could have gone a lot of different directions for me. Uh, so I have Chris Paul as the mm-hmm. other second team guard. And I thought to yes. me that was pretty clear. I think Chris Paul is just having an awesome year. Uh, third team, I felt pretty good about Ben Simmons. Uh, what he's, you know, oh, we talked so simple. much about his yep. flaws. But his his ability in the open court is incredible. His defense is excellent. Like he brings a lot to the table. And then that final spot, uh, I had three players, real tough time separating uh, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, and Kemba Walker. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is probably the best defender of that group. Kemba Walker, uh, probably the best distributor. Uh, Devin Booker, the best scorer. They all do a little bit. I I'm not really sure how to separate those three for the final spot. Has Paul George not played enough games for you? Yeah, he hasn't played enough. Now, I do think he's somebody who can get in the mix at the end. He's got the advantage of he could be a forward or a guard. He plays enough enough of each where I'd be comfortable putting him in either spot, and there could be an opening at either spot. Uh, But right now, for just doing midseason awards, what you've done today, he hasn't played enough for me. Okay, that's fair enough. Ben Simmons is somebody I didn't mention. Bradley Beal, and honestly, Trey Young can get in that conversation, just putting up points. Yeah, he should be in there, too. Uh, Just... Just raw putting up points. We know what he did, the defensive issues, but that's why the guard spot's really kind of tough for me. It's it's a little after you get past Lillard at three. I think it's it's kind of fluid between the final three guard spots right now, and the second half is going to play a big role. Um, forwards, I have Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard on the second team, and then it gets harder. I have Jimmy Butler and Pascal Siakam on my third team, but I Chris Middleton is right there, like just to name one guy, just who I think uh, who gets overlooked a little bit, and I think there's a lot of fans who aren't convinced that Chris Middleton's really good, man. And he's been he's been demonstrably better this year than he was last year. Uh, so I have Anthony Davis, uh, of course, on my second team. I have Jimmy Butler instead of okay. Kawhi Leonard. I, I, debated, I debated that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard's a better player, but Jimmy Butler, I think, is performing better this regular season. So I bumped Kawhi down to my third team, and that last spot is pretty wide open. Uh, I'm leaning toward Brandon Ingram, but Jason Tatum is right there. I think Pascal Siakam, when he plays more, will get there. He probably was uh, leading that spot when he got hurt, but has missed some time. I, I do count that against him because he's not out there helping his team. Uh, I said Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You know, he could be in that, that guard mix too a little bit. Maybe yeah. he's in this discussion at forward. Maybe Paul George is on the edge of this. Uh, there are plenty of candidates for that last spot. It's just like guard where I feel good about five, and the sixth one is open. Yeah, and I it's going to shake out a lot over the second half of this year. I, it, For me, it's hard to leave Kemba off as a guard but because of what's happening in Boston, but a little that's me projecting team success onto him in a way that maybe maybe he's overstating it a little bit because that's, that is genuinely team success up in Boston. So The, the Celtics might have three guys between uh, Kemba, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who are all just short of all NBA. Yeah, it's distinctly possible. That's, it's, you know, and they, for people who forget, these are regular season awards. The ballots are cast, and we will do the we will do our final picks right before the playoffs start. Um, the playoffs and what happens in the postseason does not count, but it's going to be interesting. 
Well, Dan, we'll discuss uh, a whole lot of these same guys again in about two weeks or so when we go over the we start doing the same thing for a, a All Star ballot and, and breaking down who we've got there. Um, it's a little different. Do you feel a little differently about that, or do you feel like it's kind of like All NBA, where it's 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 a it's, there's some fan vote in there, but it's also like a most outstanding kind of thing. Like, and who do I want to see? Uh, so, so my standard is different. For all NBA, I do who had the best season in terms of what they actually did on the court. For All-Star, I'm looking at who is the best player. A uh, thought exercise I often use is imagine a, a team with an average starting point guard, average starting shooting guard, all the way down, average sixth man, average seventh man, all the way down. As the average team, you put the two players you're comparing on one on each version of that average team. Which team would win more often? Uh, and so... It's not quite as much pouring over stats, a little more gut feel for All-Star, who I think the best player is at this point in their careers. Not an easy question, but a different question. Look, that's not even a hard question, Dan. If you take an all-average team and you put Taco Fall on it, it wins 70 games. It's just done. That's a great point, but if you have Alex Caruso on the other team, does that team win 71? <laughs> these are these are not that easy. No. Could Alex Caruso dunk on Taco Fall? You know, we should just actually, let's just have that at the All-Star game, like as a break during halftime. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. No, no. <laughs> let's get them both in there. The fans would love it. So, all right. They can just take turns dunking at each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Taco Fall dunking on Caruso is a big shock, but <laughs> the other way around would be fun to watch. Caruso's a gritty defender. I don't know. Yeah, he is gritty. He is that, so. I, 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 by the way, I, I liked Mark Stein's piece on him this week. We were like, stop blaming him, man. Don't don't blame Caruso because he's in L.A. and, and gets all this love. Like, Caruso is the kind of grinder every team would love to have on their team, the kind of guy who fought his way up from a two-way contract. So I, I think there's there's real truth to that. Like, a lot of teams would like to have Alex Caruso on their roster, man. Sure. So, all right, Dan, thanks it's for doing— the all-star team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a very different thing. Thanks, Dan, for doing this. Uh, we will be back next week. We'll be back with the next next week with Rob Doster talking about the draft coming up and uh, the kind of flat top of that draft and, and how he sees it. So we'll be back next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you go, we're there. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.